Amen, amen, wonderful. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus, shall we? Isn't he wonderful? Glory to God. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. There is no one other than Jesus. Shall we shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God bless you. God bless you. It's, uh, it's good to greet you this morning in, in the wonderful name of Jesus. The wonderful name of Jesus. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here with you this morning. Uh, you know, uh, when I travel and, and, and pastors are, are gracious enough to open up their, their pulpit to allow me to preach, I, I, in all seriousness, I never take that lightly. I, I think it's, it's, it's an honor uh, when, when uh, a pastor opens up his pulpit. So I thank you, sir so much you know god bless you you know uh it was wonderful uh to to preach here last night you know to, when you're invited once to preach it's a blessing but if they invite you back a second time it's a miracle that's what i think you know so so god bless you <laughs> it's it's wonderful to be to be back here this morning god bless you it's it's great to be in a church that knows how to worship jesus amen I, I, I like to be amongst people that know how to worship Jesus. You know, you know, in, in Europe, I, I don't know about in, ne- in the Netherlands, but I know in the UK, sometimes in our churches, we can be a little bit staid and a little bit calm, you know? We, we like to be a little bit dignified sometimes and, 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 and quite calm. But, you know, I heard this, and it's true, that dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. Amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's life, and there's joy in Jesus' name. So I tell you, if if anyone in this world should know how to dance, it should be the church. Amen? If anyone in this world knows how to be joyous, it should be the church. Amen? Because we have a hope that is beyond all hopes. We have a hope that, 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 that endures for eternity. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We should know how to shout, say amen, because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, so it sounds like you're alive. That's wonderful, especially being the clocks have gone forward. God bless you. Um, you know, you know I, I, I pray for this church, you know. I believe, may, may this church, may God use this church to see a mighty impact in this precious nation. And and beyond, in Jesus' name, a mighty impact of the gospel. May He use you. Let you see. Let me just say this. You know, as Christians, we don't need to beg and plead for God to use us. I, I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe we need to do that. Because you see, I believe that God will use as much as we give Him. The more we give Him, the more He will use. So the key is not, oh God, please, please, will you use me? The key is as we surrender all to him, he will use us automatically. Say hallelujah. Even with our, our faults and failings, even with our Britishness, <laughs> he, can still use, he can still use us. Say amen. Hallelujah. God will use you automatically as you give yourself to him. May we, may we give ourselves more to him that he can use us in the harvest fields of Europe and beyond. That our nations may be reached with the gospel. That the Netherlands may be saved. May God use us in Jesus' name as we give ourselves to him. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to come. I have a word on my heart this morning. And uh, I want to turn to, to, to the scriptures. And uh, this morning I want to speak to you about three people. The first person is, is Jeremiah. We, we all, we've all heard of Jeremiah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. He has a whole book that he's, he's written called Jeremiah. Great name for a book if your name is Jeremiah. Second person I want to speak to is, 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 is uh, uh, the woman in John's Gospel, I believe, the woman at the well. I just want to touch on her for a moment. And then I want to finish by talking about Gideon, that mighty man of valor who the Lord used mightily to... Uh, 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 in, in his work. God used him mightily. And I want to mention a few things about him. So let's go to Jeremiah to start with, shall we? Jeremiah chapter 1. And I want to read a few verses from verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. 
And uh, <coughs> this is what it says. It says, then the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I like that verse. I orda- God said, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Hallelujah. Then said I, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me just read one more scripture from uh, the, uh, the, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16, uh, the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 15. This burns in my heart. I pray it burns in your heart. Jesus said, he said to his early church, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Let me just stop there for a moment. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. Can you just pop your hand up a moment if you are here this morning and you believe? You are a believer. Let me see your hand this morning. Wonderful. God bless you. Now, just just hold on a minute, because that means that Jesus is now talking about you and he's talking about me. And he's saying that these signs will follow those who believe. If you are a believer, Jesus is talking about you this morning. Jesus said that these signs will follow those who believe. This is what should be following us. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now down to verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I want to just mention this morning uh, a few things about Jeremiah. You see, in this passage we've just read, we, we jump into the point where, where Jeremiah receives his call from God. And God appears to him and God gives him an amazing call. He says, Jeremiah, I want you to be my prophet. In other words, I want you to take my word, not just to Jerusalem, not just to Israel, but to the nations. Now, that's very interesting because we pick up from this scripture that actually Jeremiah, he was a very young man. I, I don't know how old, perhaps there were some Uh, biblical scholars who have managed to work out, I don't know. But I don't know how old he was. But what I do know is this, that Jeremiah was a very young man and he saw himself not only as a very young man, but as a very small person in his capacity. And yet notice this, God didn't appear to Jeremiah and say, now, now, Jeremiah, I realize that you're very young and you've got a lot of growing to do. So because of that, I'm just going to give you a small call for now. Maybe later on we can talk about a bigger vision. But just for now, just for now, I'm just going to give you a small call because you're very young. God didn't say that. God didn't say that. Even though Jeremiah was very, very young and didn't think much about what he could do, God appeared to him and gave him a big call and he called him to be a prophet to the nations, to take God's word to the nations. Say amen. Hallelujah. You see, when God gave Jeremiah his call, listen to this now, God didn't compare Jeremiah's call to Jeremiah. God compared Jeremiah's call to Jeremiah's God. And that's why God could give this young prophet, this young man, not just a small, little, insignificant call, but that's why he could give him a big call to go to the nations with the word of the Lord. Now, I want to mention that for this reason, because in Mark chapter 16, we see a similar thing happening with Jesus and the early church. You see, the early church at this point is very, very young. Jesus had risen from the dead. He was about to ascend into heaven. And numerically, they were quite small. Now, notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't appear to the church like Jeremiah and say, now, lads, come on. You know, eventually, one day, hopefully, we're going to reach the world with the gospel. But just for now, because you're very, very small and very, very young, and because you haven't been to 
Bible college yet. I'm just going to give you just a small call. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Yes, the church was very young. Yes, the church had a lot to learn. The church had a lot to go to, but it didn't matter because Jesus' call upon the church is compared to the church's God, not to the size of the church. Say hallelujah. And a similar call that rang out from, 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 from God to Jeremiah rang out from the lips of Jesus. And he said to his church, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Say hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Jesus said every creature. Don't miss anyone out. Everyone needed to hurt. And God called these Ordinary people who are made up of tax collectors and fishermen. Ordinary people. People like you and people like me. And Jesus gave them a commission. He gave them a burning call to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, if this doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. If the great commission does not get the church of Jesus Christ going, I don't know what will. Some churches get excited about jumble sales and coffee mornings. You know, they, they, can, they can all have their place. But I tell you, there is nothing like the Great Commission to get the church going. May the Great Commission burn in our hearts in Jesus' name. May it burn in our hearts in Jesus' name. That may every soul hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, this tells me two things. Number one, number one, it tells me this, that when it comes to our vision for reaching the lost, God wants us to have a big vision for reaching the lost. When it comes to seeing our cities and nations reached with the gospel as a church, I do not believe God wants us to have a small vision, but he wants us to have a big vision. He said to Jeremiah to, that he was a prophet to the nations, to the early church. The call was to preach the world to every to preach the word to, the gospel to every creature. When it comes to our vision for reaching the lost, we need to have a big city and nation-reaching vision. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. You know, I like the parable of the uh, of the lost sheep. We we all know that parable so well, don't we? But perhaps we can do a little test this morning. Is that okay, Pastor? Can I uh, just a little test? How many how many sheep were there in the parable of the lost sheep? Can you tell me? A hundred, fantastic. How many were safe? Can you tell me? Ninety-nine. Now, even if you don't know the Bible, this should be a simple mathematical equation. Now, if there are one hundred sheep, ninety-nine are safe. How many are lost? One. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Think about that. We, we could put it this way. We could say that 99% of the sheep were safe and only 1% were lost. We could put it that way. Now, think about that for a moment. We're here, we're here in Wagnagan, okay? Now, if we looked around Wagnagan and if we as the church of Jesus Christ in this city could say, wow, we have 99% of Wagnigan saved. Only 1% is lost. Do you know what? I, I think maybe we would be tempted to sit back on our laurels and pat, pat ourselves on the back and congratulate ourselves for doing so well for reaching 99%. I, I think we would be tempted to do that. I think we'd be tempted to do that anyway. If 99% of our cities were saved, we would be tempted to sit back. And yet, friends, when we look at the parable of the lost sheep, what do we see the shepherd doing? It doesn't matter that it's just the one that is lost. It doesn't matter. He still has to go into the highways and the byways. He has to search high, medium, and low until he finds that one lost sheep, until 100% is reached. Friends, I believe the message is this. It doesn't matter in this city whether it's the 99% that are lost or just the 1% that are lost. The vision that we need to have as the church of Jesus Christ for reaching the lost is that we need to keep going. We need to pre keep preaching. We need to keep praying. We need to keep sharing until the whole world hears, until Holland hears that there is a saviour and that his name is Jesus. Oh, shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us keep going in Jesus' name. Let us keep going in Jesus' name. You know what? I, I used to think that the, uh, 
that the Great Commission was bigger now than it ever has been because there's more people we need to reach. And then I heard a statistic that totally changed my thinking. Did you know that when the Great Commission was given to the early church, if they were going to fulfill the Great Commission and reach everyone in the whole world, it would have taken every single born-again believer in the early church, they would have had to have reached around 20,000 people. If every believer had reached 20,000 people, the whole world would have heard. Now, that's a, big, that's a big number. That's a big number. Do you know what the number is for today? If every one believer in the world today only needs to reach 10 people, and then the whole world will have heard the gospel. Wow. Come on now. I tell you, we are not further from fulfilling the Great Commission. I believe we are in striking distance today. We are closer as the church of Jesus Christ. We are closer than we have ever been in the whole of history to fulfilling the Great Commission. And friends, in these last days, it's not days for us to sit back and sip our tea and commentate about how bad the world is. In these last days, the time has come for the church to rise up like never before in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit to have one last push for the gospel that we can see our world and our nations reached in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Jesus came. He didn't, he didn't die just to save a few. He didn't die just to save a nation. He died to save the world. Jesus came to save the world. And now he sends you and me to go with his gospel to see that great commission fulfilled. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Now the second thing it tells me is this. The first thing it tells me is our, our vision needs to be big. The second thing is this, is that the gospel belongs not in the four walls of our church. In fact, I think, I heard this in Bolivia, you know, I think sometimes the four walls of our church can sometimes act like a prison for the gospel. You see, I believe ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't belong in the four walls of our church. Ultimately, it belongs out there on the highways and the byways. It belongs in the schools. It belongs on the streets and the shops. In the workplaces. That's where the gospel belongs. You know, you know I heard a, a story about a, a young preacher. And he met with a, 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 an evangelist who was preaching to thousands. And he said to the evangelist, he said, listen, I, I'm called to preach the gospel. But I have a problem. And the problem is this. My pastor will not give me an opportunity to preach. He won't give me his pulpit. And yet I'm called to preach. The evangelist said this to me. He said, okay, that's not a problem. He said, I will give you a pulpit on which to preach from. Wow, can you imagine for a moment how excited that this young preacher suddenly must have felt? I bet he, I bet he began to feel the uh, anointing stirring as he pictured himself standing on this great evangelist pulpit preaching to thousands. But then the evangelist said this. He said, I will give you a pulpit. He said, take your Bible, go out into a street corner, and there is your pulpit for preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. I tell you, I like that because the gospel belongs on the street corner. And I say in Holland, may every street corner in Varnagan become a pulpit for the preaching of the gospel in Jesus' name. And may every park bench become an altar for salvation. Amen. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. I, I don't mean we all need to go and stand out there with megaphones. That's not what I mean. There's so many different ways we can evangelize. But let's get the gospel out there where it belongs and when we get the gospel out there we, we, we will begin to really see it work in Jesus name amen amen the gospel belongs out on the streets but you see Jeremiah we've already touched on it you see Jeremiah had a problem and that was how he saw himself he he looked at this great call that God had given him and then he looked at himself and he thought who am I to fulfill this call I can't do it his, his, his reason was that he was too young and he said to God God I'm just a youth I cannot speak you know God gave him one answer he, he didn't come up to him and put his arm around him and say no 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 Jeremiah I understand Let, let's talk this through he didn't say that he gave him one answer and his answer was this he said I am with you and I will be with you to deliver you friends when we think about fulfilling the great commission in Holland, in Europe, 
around the world. We may look at ourselves and think, who am I to do that? You you may have so many reasons why you cannot fulfill the Great Commission. And when you think about them in your mind, they may seem very, very valid reasons why God can't use you to reach people with the gospel. You may have so many reasons. But can I tell you, I believe to all your reasons and all my reasons, God will give us one answer. And it's the only answer we need. And it is simply this. God is with us. Oh, hallelujah. God is with us. God is with us. The Great Commission doesn't guarantee us plain sailing when it comes to preaching the gospel. In fact, on the opposite, as we read through the book of Acts and we look around the world today, we see people being persecuted, people losing their lives for their faith. The gospel doesn't promise us plain sailing, but it promises us this, that we have the creator of heaven and earth, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings with us. And if God is with us, he's with us to back us. Can you say hallelujah? Oh, glory to God. I tell you, if we really understood what we have backing us, if we really got a full revelation of the fact that we have the God for whom nothing is impossible, the God, the creator of heaven and earth. If we really, really believe that and understood the resources that are behind us, there'd be no stopping us. There'd be no stopping us. Netherlands won't know what's hit it when the church rises up, when we realize that we have God backing us. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now that was Jeremiah. I want to move on to, to the woman at Samaria. For time's sake, I won't, I, won't, uh, I won't turn to the scripture. But in John 4, we read about Jesus meeting a woman of Samaria at the well. And you know, I, I like this woman. I'll tell you why. Because she has a few moments with Jesus by the well. But in those few moments, she is turned into, maybe we could say, the Bible's first evangelist. Because she leaves Jesus, and what does she go and do? She goes into a city and starts preaching about Jesus. And she brings her city to Jesus, and many people put their faith in Jesus. Because of this one, this one ordinary woman, this one woman, God used her to bring many people to Jesus. Anyway, the disciples at this point had gone off to get some food and, and, and they came back to Jesus and, you know, you, you know, come on men, let's, let's be honest, you know, sometimes our focus isn't all that spiritual. Some, sometimes we like to focus on the stomach a little bit too much. <laughs> I do anyway. But I, I must be the only one because you're all looking at me like, you're obviously very spiritual people here. I'm the only one that uh, sometimes they fast. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I'm the only one then. <laughs> but you see, the, the disciples come back to Jesus and basically say, Jesus, come on, you need to eat. Think of, think of your stomach. You need to eat. And Jesus says this to them. He says, I have food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. D- just as a side point, church, you know, our sustenance is not in finances, really. It's, it's, it's not in manpower. Our sustenance... The thing that will keep us going is doing the will of him who sent us. Amen? That's where our focus needs to be. And then Jesus moves on and tells his disciples what that focus is. And he says to them, do you not say that there is still four months and then the harvest? In other words, he's using a saying from the day that says, basically, the harvest isn't ready yet. We still need to wait. He said, Jesus said, do you not say there is still four months and then the harvest? That's what they say. And then Jesus told his disciples and he tells us what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you, lift up your eyes because the fields are white unto harvest. Hallelujah. Now, I tell you, in, we're here in Europe. You know, in Africa, we hear wonderful things going on. In, in South America, we hear wonderful things going on. But we're here in Europe. And sometimes it's so easy for us to listen to the stories that we're told about how hard it is for Christians, how hard it is to evangelize, how hard it is to share our faith. Oh, it's, it's so hard. It's so Christianity is on the d- 
decline. Europe is so hard. It's so hard. I tell you, that may be what people say, but I want us to get interested in what Jesus says. Because I believe what Jesus said in John 4 is still true for us today. And church, he says to you and he says to me, the time has come for us to lift up our eyes and look to the harvest because they are ready. Shout hallelujah. The harvest fields are ready in Europe. And we've got to lift up our eyes. I tell you, the devil is very, very happy when, we, when, when the church is looking down. And we're looking down at, at everything the enemy is doing. And we're looking down at all, all the lies about how hard it is in Europe. And we're looking down at all our problems. And we're looking down at all our, difference, our, our little differences that we have with one another. The devil's very happy whilst we're doing that. He's very happy. He's very happy whilst we're looking down in our, in our meetings and we're just discussing little, little, little bit. He's happy whilst we're looking down. But church, I believe the time has come for you and me, for the church of Jesus Christ in Europe to stop looking down. We, we may have problems. I'm not denying that. Let's, let's give them to God. He can deal with them a lot better than we can. Amen. We, we, may, have, we may have slight little differences. You know, let's put them to one side. But let's be obedient to what Jesus says. Church, let's lift up our eyes and look to the harvest because the harvest is ready. The harvest in Varnagon is ready. Let's lift up our eyes. The harvest is ready in Holland. Church, let's lift up our eyes. In Jesus' name, let's lift up our eyes. I'll tell you one thing. If, if, if the harvest is ready now, it means one thing. It means it needs bringing in now. Not next week. Not next year. The harvest is ready now. And it needs bringing in now. In Jesus' name. Let's lift up our eyes and focus on the harvest. Can you say hallelujah? Glory to God. I want to move on to Gideon to finish with. Gideon, you know. Again, I won't turn to the scripture, but it's in Judges chapter 6. Gideon, you know, we think of Gideon as, as a mighty man of valor. Amen. We, 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 we can read of him in scripture, a mighty man, the mighty things he'd done for the Lord. And yet, when we turn to Judges chapter 6, we, we read a very different story. Because we read of, of, of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 not being a mighty man of valor and fighting the enemy for Israel. In fact, we read of him hiding Threshing wheat in a wine press. He wasn't going on the offensive against the enemy. He was hiding in the wine press from the enemy. And then all of a sudden, something very, very strange happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to this Gideon who was hiding and said this to him. He said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now think about that for a moment. Gideon was hiding. He saw it. The Bible shows us, I believe, that, that he saw himself as, as weak. He was hiding in a wine press. And then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him a different story. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you and you are a mighty man of valor. Now, G Gideon's, Gideon's uh, cogs in his brain began to turn at this point and think, hold on a minute. H hang, hang on. The, the Midianites have come against us. We're being oppressed by the enemy. I'm here hiding from the enemy in this wine press. And this angel appears to me and says that the Lord is with me and I am a mighty man of valor. And he's beginning to think these two don't equate. And so he challenges the angel. We know the story, I'm sure. And he says, if the Lord is really with us and if this is true, then how come all these things have happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our fathers have told us about. Now notice what the angel doesn't do. The angel doesn't sit down with Gideon and come up with a theology of why we don't see miracles today. The angel didn't sit down with Gideon and start coming up with excuses and say, well, you know, it's because of all the unbelief in the nation. The angel doesn't come up with a theology of why the enemy has come against them. The, the angel answers one thing. He looks straight at Gideon. I want you to get this. He looks straight at Gideon. And he simply says this. He says, go in this might of yours and you will save Israel. <laughs> wow. I tell you, church, you know, I, I, I think even with Brexit, you know, I, I have you upon my heart. 
Um, you know, I think in Europe, sometimes we, we see ourselves as the church maybe in the wine press. And, 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 and we're hiding in our, in, our, in our nice safe, and it's safe in the way. It's nice, and it's nice and cozy. It's nice. We can feel safe. We can have our services in our wine press, and it's, and it's safe. And it's safe. But then, friends, I want to challenge us, because as we, as we look back through our history, you know, we see many, many moves of God. We see many, many mighty men of God. And if we really challenge ourselves, we can ask the same question that Gideon asked. We can say, Lord, if this is true, that you are with us, then why are we here in the wine press? Lord, if this is true, that you are with us, where are all the miracles we've read about? Where are the miracles that we read of in the book of Acts? Where, where are they in Europe? Why are we not seeing them? You know, we see the dead being raised. We see Peter, who was just an ordinary fisherman. But God had, Jesus had filled him with his Holy Spirit and sent him. And his, his shadow passed over the sick and they were healed. Where are those miracles today in Europe? We are people for, uh, nearer to us in history who God has used powerfully. I don't know whether in, in the Netherlands, perhaps you've... You've heard of, the, of Smith Wigglesworth, a, a mighty man of God who saw people raised from the dead, the sick healed, people saved. You know, I heard a story about when Smith Wigglesworth, of, have you heard of Smith Wigglesworth here? Yeah? <coughs> of, of when he used to pray for the sick. Apparently, sometimes he would, he would punch people when he would, when he would pray for them. <laughs> Apparently, he would punch them. But the thing is this, that the, sometimes they would, they would fly over where he'd punch them, but they'd get up healed. You know, somebody asked him apparently one day, he said, why do you punch people when you pray for them? He said, I don't punch the people. What it is, I get so angry with the devil that I punch the devil and the people get in the way. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now, let me just, let me just uh, put something in here. Don't worry, Smith Wigglesworth is not here to pray for people this afternoon, so you're okay. You're okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Friends, there are people in our history who God has used, and we have seen the miraculous. And sometimes it can feel that we're in our wine press, hiding from the enemy, and we say, God, if this is true that you're with us, then where are all these miracles? Where are they today in Holland? Where are they today in Wagnergen? Do you know what? I believe God would give us the very same answer that he gave to Gideon. He'd look at you, and he'd look at me, and he would say, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save your cities and nations. <laughs> Go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save the nations. Oh, hallelujah. You know, it's so easy for us sometimes to sit in our wine presses and pray for God for revival. And, 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 and there's some teaching I don't agree with, and that is this, that, that church, we just need to wait on God for revival. You know, I believe in revival. Don't, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not against revival. But what I don't agree with is this. I don't believe the church should be waiting on God for revival because I believe God is waiting on the church for action. And when we start taking action, when we start going in this might of ours, we will be able to see our nations reached in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You see, let me go with the, the, uh, the, the um, uh, Great Commission. The word in there is very interesting because it says, Jesus says about these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Notice that. He says, will, these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. That's what it says. Now, if I went and knocked on my brother Ernest's door, I said, my brother, I've come to help you clean your house. And this is what's going to happen. I am going to follow you as you clean your house. So whatever you do, I am going to back you up and do what you do, okay? Now, imagine, imagine Ernest thinks, wow, my wife is going to be very impressed. She's going to come home to a very clean house. This is, this is wonderful. But imagine for a moment that he, that he says to me, thank you, David. Thank you so much for the offer. But he goes into his front room, switches on the TV, sits down on the sofa, and just drinks Coke. And that's all he does. Now, I have a question for you. If I promised to back Ernest up. If I promised to follow him in what he does, what will I do? Amen. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I say amen to you or no amen. <laughs> exactly. I, I've promised to back him up. Which means if he, all he does is go and sit down in his front room, that's all I'm going to do. But imagine for one moment if he would suddenly wake up and realize what an amazing promise I have given him. And suddenly he springs up off of his sofa, switches off his TV, and gets into action. He goes to his cleaning cupboard and gets out a duster, and he starts dusting. What will I do? I've promised to follow him. I too will go and get a duster, and I'll start dusting. Together we dust. We get the job done very quickly. Maybe not very well, but very quickly, okay? He goes back to his cupboard. He gets a, he gets a broom. I go, I go to the cupboard and get a broom. We begin to sweep together before too long. We've got the whole house looking fairly clean. Why? Because I promised to follow Ernest. The moment Ernest sprung into action, I sprang into action. Friends, hear me. The word of God says that these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. This is very important. We can be in our wine presses saying, God, where are the miracles? But the Bible promises this, that these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And if all we do every Sunday is we just come to church, we sing our songs and we go home and carry on with life as normal, work nine to five or whatever it is here in the Netherlands, come back home, eat dinner, go to bed, next day the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. We give Jesus nothing to follow. But my heart for the church in Europe is this. And it's, it's such a blessing this weekend to be in this church because I believe I see this heart in this church as well. My heart for the church in Europe is this, is that we would wake up and realize what an amazing promise that Jesus has given us. That he has said to us that he will be with us, that he will follow us, that these signs and wonders will follow us. As we get going, we give the signs and wonders something to follow. As we go out and start sharing the gospel with friends, with neighbors, with strangers, with people on the highways and byways. As we get out there with the gospel, we give the signs and wonders something to follow. Yes. And when we spring into action, the signs and wonders will back us up in Jesus' name. As we're there out on the streets to lay hands on the sick, we give the signs and wonders something to follow and the sick will be healed and we will see the miraculous return to the streets of Wagner in Jesus' name. But we've got to get going. We've got to give the signs something to follow. We've got to get going. We've got to get going in Jesus' name. Do you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, not, a, I'm not a theologian. I'm not even too sure how to spell that word, but uh, I, I'm not a theologian. So I, I want to share something. It's, it's just an idea. So, so please, if I'm not theologically correct here, please, please don't shoot me down. It's just an idea, okay? You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says about the day when there is going to be half an hour silence in heaven. Do you know, I think to myself, what, why is there going to be half an hour silence in heaven? Because surely when you and me get to heaven and we stood there on that great day, face to face with a living God, we are going to be anything but silent. We are going to praise, we are going to worship, I believe that, we will, like we have never done before. But in amongst that, the Bible says there's going to be half hour silence in heaven. Now I had this thought. Could it be that this half an hour silence in heaven will be when we as the church of Jesus Christ, we are stood in our robes in heaven, receiving our eternal reward. And suddenly this big screen will roll down in front of us. And God will begin to show us all the things we could have done on earth if only we'd have stepped out just that little bit more. Could the half hour silence be when we see on that screen, we see the souls, the children, the men and the women that could have been reached, that could have been saved. If only we had stepped out just that little bit more. Could it be on that screen? There may be people here this morning that God has given a calling to, to go to the cities and the nations. And you're not too sure about whether to obey it or not. Could it be on that day you see the cities and the nations that could have been reached with the gospel if only we would have stepped out that bit more? 
Could it be on that screen we see the sick that could have been healed, the dead that could have been raised? If only we'd have risked it and stepped out just that little bit more and we'd be stunned into silence. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to see what I can do for Jesus here on earth. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to see what I can do for Jesus here on earth. I want to see it now. I want to see it now. The nations need the gospel now. The nations need the gospel now. The nations need the gospel now. You see, friends, in heaven, there are so many things that we can do. We're going to have eternity to talk about who was right when the rapture is going to be. We've got eternity to talk about that. It's interesting to talk about now, but, you know, we've got eternity to sort that one out. We've got eternity to work out which really were God's favorite worship songs. We've got eternity to talk about that. But we don't have eternity to reach the lost. And I will tell you for why. Because there will be no lost souls in heaven. There will be no lost souls in heaven. We only have this generation to reach this generation. Hallelujah. And friends, God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, go in this might of yours. 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 And God will use you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we stand in the presence of God? Is it possible just to get the keyboard back at all at the moment? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for people this morning very specifically. I want to pray this morning for soul winners. But by that, I don't mean that, oh, well, you've got this wonderful, great, big ministry and you're reaching thousands for Jesus. I don't mean that. I want to pray for people here this morning that maybe you're already doing this. You're already walking out there. I want to pray for you this morning and believe that God is, you are going to see amazing things as you step out for Jesus wherever you are, whether that's in your home, whether that's in your school, wherever it is. But I also want to pray for people this morning that your heart this morning has been stirred. Your heart has been stirred and the Great Commission has stirred your heart. And you want to say this morning to God as Isaiah said, Here am I, my Lord, send me, send me, send me. Your heart this morning says, Yes, Lord, I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a soul winner. Will you use me? Will you use me? Will you use me to be a soul winner? There may be people here this morning and God has called you. God has called you to reach cities and to reach nations. He's called you to, to, to take the gospel to the nations of the world. I want to pray for you today. You are going to be an effective soul winner for Jesus. But friends, before I call people forward, I just want to say this. You know, one of the biggest things the enemy gets us to do is to look inside and think, just like Jeremiah, who am I? God can't use me. I have so many issues. I have a past. I have... I'm so ordinary, God can't use me. You know, Isaiah had a similar problem. The Bible says that there was a day when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and he says, the first place he looked was to himself. He said, woe is me. Woe is me. Because I am from a people of unclean lips. And what happened? A seraphim flew and took a coal, a burning coal from the altar and touched his lips said your sin is atoned for something happened in that transaction that changed his focus because the very next thing we hear coming out of Isaiah's mouth is not yeah I'm so unworthy I'm so unworthy the next thing when Isaiah had a touch from the from the coals from the altar was this was here am I my lord send me send me we see the same thing happening in the early church we see the early church locked in rooms with, with bolts on the doors in their wine press and then one day came that totally changed them and that was the day of Pentecost and when the fire of God fell upon the early church suddenly those bolts came off those doors flew open and Peter stood up and preached the gospel and 3,000 people were saved friends I tell you when you receive the Holy Spirit when you get a touch from the altar of God, from the fire of God, when that fire burns in your heart, it will change you. And you may have walked into this church seeing yourself as 
ordinary. That's okay. We're, come on, we're all ordinary. We're all ordinary. But I tell you, if you will get a touch from the fire of God this morning, you will walk out of this place a different person. Not because how clever you are or because how gifted you are, but simply because you know that the Lord is with you. Because you know that you have been anointed to go to preach the gospel. You've been anointed to go to reach your friends, to reach your colleagues, to reach this city, this nation, this world with the gospel. And Jesus will use you. Friends, the great thing is this. Jesus chooses to use ordinary people like you and ordinary people like me because he hasn't got anyone else to use because we're all ordinary. But when we have the fire of God burning in our hearts, it makes us extraordinary. And nothing will be impossible in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every eye closed right now, please. Right across this place. I want you just to close your eyes and focus on the Lord. I want to pray for this this morning for people who want to say yes to being soul winners. Whatever that means for you, whether that means reaching nations or whether that means reaching people on the streets, whatever it means for you, I want to pray for people this morning who want to say yes to being soul winners. If that's you today, very quickly, I want you to raise your hand right now where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Hallelujah. Those people, I want you to do something very brave. I want you to leave your seat right now and I want you to come and stand along the front because I want to lay hands on you this morning. God bless you as you come. God bless you as you come. God bless you as you come. Hallelujah. 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 We're saying yes to Jesus this morning. Just as Isaiah said, here am I, my Lord. This morning we're saying, Lord, here am I. Use me to win souls. Use me to win souls. Use me to win souls. And friends, this morning I believe that you are going to receive a touch from the altar of God. You are going to receive a touch from the fire of the Holy Spirit that is going to change you. And it's going to turn the impossibilities into possibilities. That it's going to turn the natural into supernatural. And you will see this nation reach with the gospel in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In a few moments, I'm going to come and I'm going to lay my hands upon you. We're going to believe that, you know, there's nothing special with me. I, I, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just an ordinary person, an ordinary British person. There's nothing special about me. But it's about the transaction that can take place. As I lay my hands upon you, we're going to believe for an impartation into your life of the fire of God that you have never, in Jesus' name, of the fire of God that you have never experienced before. We are going to believe for a transaction to take place in your life that the Great Commission will burn in your heart. We're going to believe for a transaction that from this day forward you are going to see another level of effectiveness in your soul winning, not because of you, but because of the Holy Spirit who is within you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, I want us to lift our hands right now in Jesus' name. If anyone else wants to come forward, there's still time, there's still time. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. And just begin to open your mouth. Just begin to tell Him. Just begin to tell Him, just like Isaiah done. Say, here am I, my Lord, send me. Here am I, my Lord, send me. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Let's lift up our voices right now in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit will touch you in Jesus' name, right now in Jesus' name. And I say to you now, receive a touch of the fire of God right now on your lives in Jesus' name. Receive it right now. Receive it. Just begin to thank Him for the Holy Spirit. Just begin to thank Him for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Begin to open up your heart to receive right now. Fire in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. Just begin to thank Him. Just begin to worship Him. Father, we thank You in Jesus' name. Just receive it right now in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Just keep receiving right now the fire of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. Fire right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it right now. Let us burn for Jesus. Let us burn for Jesus. Fire right now. Fire right now. Fire right now. Fire right now. Fire, fire, fire. Fire right now in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. Fire, fire. Right now. We will burn for you, Lord. May we never be the same again. Receive it in Jesus' name. Yes. Let's worship the Lord, shall we? Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship God. Just give the Lord some worship wherever you are. My God, we worship you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I want you, if you speak in tongues, I want you to begin to just pray in tongues right now. And if you, if you don't speak in tongues, just, just pray, just worship in your own language, in your own words. Just worship the Lord. Just worship.